Our first scripture lesson for today comes from James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21 of the New Revised Standard Version. You must understand this, my beloved, that everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourself of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness, and welcome with meekness an implanted word that has power to save your soul. May God bless our reading and hearing of this scripture. Our gospel message comes to our gospel lesson comes to us from Matthew's gospel, chapter five, verses one to two, and continuing with verses twenty-one to twenty-six. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So, when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. May God bless our reading and hearing of the scripture. So both of these texts address the issue around anger. James says that our anger does not produce God's righteousness. He also says that we are to be slow to speak, that we are to listen, that it, anger produces wickedness and evil and so forth and so on. He is speaking to his community to help them to be more kind, to be more compassionate, and to love one another. In the gospel passage, Jesus is preaching, continuing to preach to them what we now call the Sermon on the Mount. He is um, talking to them about anger. In this text, we have two sections in this little piece of scripture around this issue of anger. In the first section, Jesus is saying, um, don't be angry because it's bad. Just don't do it. It's, it's, it's not a good thing. Just don't be angry. But in the second half, acknowledges that, well, you're human beings, so when you get angry, do it this way, get rid of it this way. Um, because you know, Jesus gets angry. He overturns the tables um, in the temple when he sees stuff happening, he doesn't like that, so 
he gets angry. So he understands that we as human beings get angry from time to time. So he gives us a way to deal with our anger, even though he says, anger is not a good thing up here. Remember, strive not to be angry. But when you do, this is how you deal with it. Talk to your brother or sister and be reconciled with them. So, ever been angry? Yep. Yep. Um, been angry today yet, or yesterday, or the day before yesterday? Anger is a part of who we are as humans. Anger is what it is. It's a part of our emotional makeup as human beings. It's neither good nor bad as an emotion. It is. It becomes good or bad depending upon what we do with it. It becomes bad when we use violence to deal with our anger. It can be good if we do something constructive with our anger. At least that's what I told my children. I have not done something constructive with my anger a couple of times in my life. I don't know about you, but anger is a part of our component as human beings. I'm going to tell a little bit about my own um, struggles with anger and forgiveness and reconciliation. I'm going to tell a little piece of my story. I'm not going to tell someone else's story because I don't have permission to tell other people's story. So I'm going to tell a little bit about my own personal story. So I need for you to bear with me. I'm going to um, tell you a little bit um, and see where it leads us. My mother died when I was 14. Um, she died of pancreatic liver cancer. Um, I'm not sure um, where it started, but in 1978, it didn't matter. She went into the hospital because she thought she had a bleeding ulcer. Um, that was not the problem. My parents were divorced a year before uh, she got the diagnosis. Um, she told us um, about a year prior, she had about a year, um, nine months to a year. It's all fuzzy in my brain, uh, in my memory, um, about how long it took um, for her between the diagnosis and the time that she died. Um, that began um, my struggle with this thing called anger. Um, after her death, um, the anger started to well up um, inside of me. One of the things that you need to um, first understand about me as a human being um, is that I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest daughter and the oldest in my family I'm the oldest granddaughter, I'm the oldest grandchild on both sides of my family, which is important, you know, because I'm the most important. But I'm the oldest daughter of an oldest daughter of an oldest daughter. 
So, you know, yay for me. That means I am very directive, I am very perfectionist-oriented, and you do what I tell you to do. Um, that's the way I am, that's the way my mother was, and that's the way my grandmother was. When my parents married, my grandmother did not enjoy, nor like, nor approve of my father. Now, I don't know if mothers really ever approve of um, their son-in-laws. However, um, my grandmother really didn't like my father. So when my mother died, um, there was a plan that my brother, my sister, and I would move to Chicago to live with my grandmother. That plan was hatched the summer before my mother died. My mother and her eight siblings all met in Chicago with my grandmother and hatched that plan. And during that meeting, my Aunt Pat's um, husband, Vince, greatest uncle on the planet, by the way, called my dad and said, this is what's happening, you need to be aware. So my dad got um, in touch with his attorney and they got their plan together about how he was going to respond to that. And um, the day that my mother died, he moved his car into the garage and it never left. Well, that um, made my grandmother rather angry. <laughs> She didn't fight it because she knew that um, she probably would not win. So, um, in response um, to his response, she uh, removed all the meat out of the freezer, because of course it was my mother's meat, not his. Um, and she took all of my mother's jewelry that she could find, um, and all of the important things that belonged to my mother and took them out of the house, including my mother's vehicle, and took them with her to Chicago, and they divided it all up with her siblings. So the anger then decided to multiply inside of my body. Um, fists went through bathroom doors a couple of times in my house, when I was 15, 16, and 17. My poor father um, is a saint. He was a saint, he's no longer with us, but um, he dealt with that. I don't know how, um, but he did. And he somehow knew what was happening inside of me, although I had no idea. All I knew was that I was mad most of the time. Although I projected to the world a happy, young teenage girl. Went to college and um, started to deal with the anger because my campus minister saw it in me and wanted to help me deal with it, but I wasn't really interested in dealing with it. Neil was interested in me dealing with it, but I was not. Um, went to seminary, got appointed to some churches, but the anger was still very much present. 
got appointed to our four-point charge in Riley County and was doing Bible studies. And all this time, my grandmother um, became, was the source of many uh, bad illustrations of how not to be. Um, one of the things that she did, not only, you know, taking things, is that she would send like a dollar through the mail and then want me to send a thank you note. She really liked thank you notes. You like thank you notes? I don't understand, but she really loved thank you notes and she thought it was really, really, really important. Well, because it was really important to her, I just didn't write them. So she would call me and she'd say, Bridget, that's the way it sounded to me, Bridget, you didn't send me a thank you note for that dollar I sent to you. And I said, okay. But then she would add, after some yelling on the phone, you know, I'd hold the phone out here, then after some yelling, she would say, your mother would have wanted you to write me that thank you note, and she would be very disappointed in you. That would be the, always the last piece of the phone call to add that level of disappointment to the phone call. Whatever it was, whatever she was disappointed in me about, which apparently I was a great disappointment for most of her life. Well, in those Bible studies, she would, I, she, I would tell these stories all the time and much more, much more. One day, was in this Bible study, and this one woman looked at me and she said, Pastor Bridget, I'm, I have to tell you that um, I'm really getting tired of hearing all these stories about your grandmother. You need to forgive her. I said, oh. So I took that to heart and I started on my journey of this thing called forgiveness. Now I preached on forgiveness, but apparently it didn't stick until someone looked me in the eye and said to me, you really need to forgive your grandmother. And it wasn't really Till then that I really understood that forgiveness is not about the person. The forgiveness is about you. And until I forgave my grandmother, I did not understand that I was the one that was carrying the burden, not her. That I was carrying that hate or that anger, that hostility around with me like a backpack all those many, many years. And the moment that I started down this path of forgiveness, it started to kind of go away. And for me, what happened is that I was able then to remember the good things about my grandmother. It was quite remarkable, actually, that this is what happened to me might not happen to others, but this is what happened to me. And one of the things that, 
that, that, that I began to remember, and I'm not sure why I didn't remember it, but I, but I remembered. You know, my grandmother was a marvelous cook. It did not come to me. I don't cook at all. Neil does all of our cooking, by the way. It didn't, didn't come to me at all. That's one of the things she was really disappointed in me about. But however, um, she made incredible pies. And you know what? She made crusts. She actually made crusts. You know, you know, made handmade crusts, you know? And then she would have leftover dough. And you know what she did with the dough? You know where I'm going? She would roll them up and make those cinnamon twists. Oh. And I would look in the oven and I would just wait for them to come out. Oh. oh. My grandmother made those. I had long, blonde, my hair was blonde once, I had long, blonde, stringy, she called it a stringy mess, and so she would put those um, pink rollers in my hair, you know, those things that you slept with at night, she would roll them all up, and then we'd wake up in the morning, and I'd take them all out, and then we'd fuss with my hair and figure out, what are we going to do with it now? We'd have so much fun with that. I could tell you all kind of other stories. Because now, I remember them. Because I decided that forgiveness was a better way to go than anger and hostility. I don't think I've told a story about my grandmother in years until now. So I decided reconciliation was the way to go, but that wouldn't title or that would require a conversation with her but the problem is she's dead you know when I was growing up I thought that she was just too mean to die <laughs> but she's deceased so my recommendation to you is this if there is an opportunity for you to reconcile with someone with whom there is hostility and there is an opportunity. Start that conversation and be reconciled. It is a process. It is not an overnight thing. Now, not all relationships can be reconciled. There are some relationships in my life that will never be reconciled because the other person chooses not or we can't. That has nothing to do with me, has to do with them, but I'm still on the journey and I am still striving, but it has to do with them and not me. But I'm still on the journey of forgiveness. Yet, we are called as followers of Jesus Christ to still be on the journey of reconciliation. Christ looked at us and said, oh man, you are sinful creatures, and said, but yet I love you and I'm called to be reconciled with you. And so here we are as reconciled creatures with God through Jesus Christ because God 
loved us so, so very much. God loves you. God loves you so very much that you can't even imagine the love that God has for you and for me. And we know that because of Jesus. You know, I wish I would have been able to talk to my grandmother, but I believe that she's looking down on me and probably laughing at me right now and knowing, yeah, we're reconciled because God has been reconciled with me. And God has been reconciled with all of us because of God's love for all of us. Amen.